Have you ever wondered why there are certain books in the Bible? Why are there pages of rules that do not necessarily apply to us anymore? Why is there long lists of genealogy with names that mean nothing to me? Why do I need to know about lamentations? But looking at verse 1, it makes all sense now. Listen to this. How deserted lies the city, once so full of people. How like a widow is she, who once was great among the nations. Wow. The book of Philemon could be another. You see, it's a unique piece of writing because most of the other letters that Paul wrote were known as circular letters written to the church at Ephesus or the church at Colossae. They were like postcards sent to friends where you said the same things but personalised them to the sender. However, Philemon is written to an individual and no one else. So why is it included in our Bible? Why was it felt so important to be included in the New Testament? Well, let's look into it. These 25 verses, or 355 words in the original Greek, were written by Paul while in prison. Just like the letter to the Colossians. In fact, Philemon lived in Colossae. And as Philemon held church in his house, could it be that the letter to the Colossians was to all within his house? And a separate one to him, as we know as the book of Philemon. In my role and others who prepare sermons, reading up and finding out about other things, you always learn something new. And in this case, I had never noticed that when the Bible was originally put together, they put Paul's longest letter first and his smallest last. And that is what we're looking at today. It's the same in the Old Testament. The longest books come first. And that explains why in both parts we are not reading each story chronologically as it happened. So what is this story all about? It's about a runaway slave called Onesimus. David Pawson describes him as sullen, lazy, rebellious and resentful. Not something I would like to be labelled with. But not only was he a runaway, he had stolen from Philemon, which no doubt enabled him to travel. He had run away to Rome, thinking it would be a good place to hide. While aren't all large cities paved with gold? How he met Paul is unclear. Was he now in prison, chained alongside Paul? Or had he sought refuge with Paul? It doesn't matter. But what does matter is that he found faith and was a changed person. In those days, the punishment for a runaway slave was crucifixion. But if his master were kind, and I put that in quotes, he could have him branded on the forehead with the letters FF, meaning fugitivalis, or fugitive, a mark that would remain for the rest of his life. Remarkably, 
Paul tells Onesimus to return to his master, Philemon, who Paul knew as a Christian in Colossae. However, to ease the situation, he writes this personal letter to explain everything. I wonder what Onesimus thought. I wonder if he saw that coming. Or would you or I imagine being sent back to face previous misdoings? But isn't that where every Christian begins? Admitting one's mistakes, seeking forgiveness. The word here is repentance. Paul even uses humour in his request, a deliberate pun, as the name Onesimus means useful. In fact, it might have been what Philemon originally named him. So Paul writes, You have found him useless in the past, but I am sending him back useful as a slave to you. But more than that, he was sending him back as a brother in Christ. We might have assumed that letters sent in Roman times were common. But in fact, they were not, especially ones sent over a long distance, like this one from Rome to Western Turkey. So it is likely when this letter was posted, so to speak, it was also sent with the letters to the Colossians and Ephesians by the same person, Tychicus. From a personal angle, we see that Paul, despite being in prison, has still time for individuals, and that he is fond of Onesimus. In fact, he, one could say that he overdoes the appeal as he refers himself to an old man. Now, the original word means someone about 55. Well, that's still young in my eyes. As for Philemon, he has a house church along with his wife, Appia, and their son, Archippus. Philemon was obviously a wealthy, wealthy person, a respected person in the community, and one who Paul knew was a committed follower of Jesus Christ and his teachings. Someone who had experienced the love and grace of God through Jesus Christ. And I believe that Paul knew he could trust Philemon to show that love to his runaway slave, Onesimus. However, Paul explained it would be hard for all concerned. Hard for Paul to let Onesimus go because he had valued him. Hard for Onesimus to go back because he had run away. And hard for Philemon to accept and forgive him. Nevertheless, says Paul, let's do the hard thing. As for Anesimus, the useful servant is soon to be restored to his master's household and back to work. And you can ask at this point, did the letter work? And the answer is a definite yes. For if not, this personal letter would have been torn up and certainly not included in the New Testament. If we look at this from a social angle regarding slavery, we could question why Paul does not attempt to abolish slavery. 
Yes, he does write about it in his letters, but never suggests it should be stopped. You see, in our modern world, slaves in Roman times are not the same as slaves would be today. Yes, they were a possession, and the good or bad master could either care or not care for them. But it was a kind of profession where, in fact, two-thirds of the population of the Roman Empire were slaves. And to seek the, abol the abolition of slaves would have rendered chaos in the society. However, Paul broke slavery from inside by changing both relationships and attitudes. So he urges Philemon to see Onesimus as a brother in Christ, not as a piece of property. In both letters to Colossians and Ephesians, he suggests that masters and slaves should have new attitudes towards each other. But it's the spiritual angle that excites me. And I believe that is one of the main reasons it's in our Bibles. However, I'll, later I'll explain another possible reason. Can you see that this is a picture of salvation? You see, we are the slaves who have run away from God. We were no use to him. But Jesus came and paid our debts and offered us back to God as a useful servant again. Like Onesimus, we are now received as sons or daughters and of use to our master. But consider this. Paul was doing to Onesimus what Jesus has done for himself. He was saying, Jesus paid the price for you. He, he rescued you. He recycled you, even. Now go back and do that to others. And that is a task before us now. We are to take the gospel, the good news to others. We are to introduce them to Jesus, for him to receive their forgiveness and allow him to restore them and recycle them as he has done for us. Our role afterwards is to welcome them, accept them, love them, encourage them and disciple them. Simply teach them God's ways and watch them grow. Isn't that exciting? I'm sure he won't mind me saying this, but recently on a chat line, we saw a message from Joe thanking Gary for introducing him to God whilst in Estonia. You see, it does not matter what has happened in your past, what deeds you did, what bad things you've committed. If you've truly given your life to Jesus and asked for his forgiveness, then you can start afresh. You can start anew. You see, he will always accept you. He will always love you. He will always forgive you. And as followers of Jesus, we are expected to. A few moments ago, I said there's possibly another reason why Philemon is in our Bibles. 
Some 50 years later, after this original incident, Ignatius, one of the great Christian martyrs, has been taken from Antioch to Rome to be executed. As he goes, he writes letters, which still survive. He writes letters to the churches of Asia Minor. He stops at Smyrna and writes to the church at Ephesus, where in the first chapter of the letter, he speaks about their wonderful bishop. And what was the name of that bishop? Onesimus. And Ignatius uses the same pun as Paul did. He is Onesimus by name and Onesimus by nature, the profitable one to Christ. So could this runaway slave become the great bishop of Ephesus? We do not know for sure, but think about it for a moment. Paul, who was present and ordered the stoning of Stephen, the first Christian martyr, who actually actively sought out and persecuted Christians, he became the greatest advocate of Jesus Christ and his teaching after being blinded on that road to Damascus. John Newton was known as his active role in capturing and selling people as slaves before he had an encounter with God and wrote the, the hymn Amazing Grace. So why not a rather grateful slave who later became the Bishop of Ephesus, who wanted his story included in the collection of Paul's letters, where all could see that a runaway slave who owned his life to Paul and Jesus Christ could tell of God's love and grace towards him, grace that was there for everyone. If that's the case, then surely there is hope for everyone and anyone. Amen.